I was born on a lake. While the lake is is uh, is an extraordinary place. I mean, of course, you the first place you are, uh, you, 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 you're, you be, I became much more sensitive to my environment, of course. Uh, again, the smells. Everybody, every little insect has their 15 minutes of fame every day. You know, in bed, I remember waking up to these birds. The bird sounds in the morning are just, I mean, what a beautiful wake-up call. Until you think about what they're really saying, get the fuck out of the way. This is my food. Paul Lavoie founded Taxi in Montreal in 1992 with his partner, Jane Hope. The ad agency became widely known for its innovative work and soon grew an international reach working with a wide range of global brands. Lavoie left Taxi to devote his time to Bow Lake, a luxury paddleboard and lifestyle brand he co-owns that's a modern interpretation and tribute to vintage wood powerboats. They've recently released an electric runabout boat that promises to revolutionize cottage life to be more quiet and sustainable. In this episode of First Things First, we talk about the effect of the wilderness on Paul's outlook, the intersection of advertising and design, and designing a new logo for Canada. My father worked for a company called International Harvester. He worked uh, there his whole life. And um, the International Harvester was uh, farm implements. The International Harvester logo was a very famous logo. It was an I and a H. And my brother, uh, Robert, once came up to me and he says, look at that logo. What is that? What do you see? I looked at it and I said, well, I, there's, I see an I. And there's the H, International Harvester. He said, no, it's a guy on a tractor. I was like, oh, my God. There was a guy on a tractor. And uh, I ended up, that impacted me a lot. You know, that I thought about that a lot. And um, I think that's the first spark. I did start my career as a, as a graphic designer. And uh, the other thing that happened in Quebec City when I was young was uh, Bewitched was a TV show. Did you ever? Mm-hmm. Did you? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I thought the guy was a fool. The man, the, the, what's his name, Darren? You know, he had all these powers that he could have access to, and he, he just did stupid things, including advertising. He was in advertising. And not that I was thinking of my career at that age, but I always remember thinking, I, I will never do that. Advertising, that that's, seems like a foolish thing to do. So I said, I'm never going to get into advertising, and I did, of course, and successfully so and so what's the relationship because you you originally you described being a graphic designer at first and then you moved into advertising what was that transition how did that happen well you know i was a um uh, creative director at uh, at a larger agency cassette i uh worked on some some interesting projects and i also always thought that there was a, a packaging was important it was your, uh, for me, it, it was an ad in itself, unto itself, whether it was an absolute bottle or uh, it was, uh, you know, a, 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 an Apple packaging. It said as much about the company, its reputation and so on as the advertising itself. And I didn't see why there were boundaries. But at the time, there were advertising agencies that had, yeah, they had those studios. And then there were, um, there were design groups. And I said, you know, let's 
merge these two together and, and tell a complete story. And, um, of course, you know, when we launched ClearNet, which became TELUS, we did everything from the packaging, the storefront, uh, even writing the copy uh, for the call center. It was a c- complete experience. So every touch point that the customer had with the, the company, the, bro- the product or brand, uh, was consistent of sorts. Yeah, because I mean, it feels like that design, if anything, that's the that's what you learn as you get into it is that you really have to think about the entire experience holistically. And so that seems like at the time a pretty foundational insight that obviously was resonating with the marketplace because people were saying, yeah, I mean, why are these things separate? They should be together. And then you built a company on that idea. Yeah, we, we built a company on, on, on creating a better, clearer, consistent dialogue between brand and, and their customers. And so going a little deeper into kind of the, the way you would approach the work, I mean, even the name itself has origins, I, I feel, in this idea of, of design and, and a few people getting in their heads together and thinking through a problem. What's the origin story of the, even the name Taxi? Well, you know, I had worked uh, at an agency w- that had about 750 people in that one particular office, I think, I mean, 600. And I, of course, had traveled uh, and judged uh, on uh, shows and met other people who worked for larger agencies as well. I found that with a group of people, you get great energy, and but you get a lot of mediocrity and you get a lot of inefficiency. It took time for things to get through the agency. There were too many roadblocks for an idea, a fresh you know, idea to get it out into the marketplace. And there was a siloism, if you call it, if that's a word or not, but there's this silo effect uh, with all these different departments. So you had, you know, the, the, the administration, of course, and then you had the account servicing, the suits, as we call them, and then the creatives and, and, and so on, media. And I, I remembered that when we pitched, we were often three or four people put on a project. There's great camaraderie, you know. Uh, it didn't matter if you were the writer I or I was the writer who who wrote the best, will take the best idea. And uh, I liked that camaraderie. And, and we would win sometimes. We would win the business we were pitching. And we'd all go back to our silos. And I thought, you know what? There's, there's something there about population. Population is an important thing. If you populate with too many people, things, you know, slow down. So the idea with taxi... Taxi was simple. It was an idea based on the fact that you can only get three or four people in a taxi anywhere in the world. So we limited it to four people. Instead of building groups of uh, different skill sets, we put people together with different skill sets, uh, sometimes from people like architects. Sometimes we bring all kinds of people in with different expertise, including the client. And uh, we promised we would put less people in uh, our client's business, but we'd get there faster. Of course, we had fun with, uh, you know, calling ourselves a taxi because you get there faster. And uh, the old agencies were uh, were like buses. You know, they had their own schedule and things like that. So taxi went on to become a huge, I mean, you've worked with huge brands and many offices and many people. So in some ways you became that big. How did the, those two things connect? The idea of the small being better within the context of big, is it because you kept it to these smaller groups within that or? Well, the, the the thing, the reality is you, you, we, we couldn't expect to have, uh, I mean, it, it does happen, but it's a very rare that a large, large client will come into your baby agency or design group 
Uh, and I think it's a good thing because I think it would destroy it anyway. You become your culture would become the culture of that large agency. So I wasn't really looking for those big clients, but I wanted them at one time. You know, we've done great work for Telus, it's a huge company, and we had you know a great time launching the Mini Cooper for BMW, big company, Viagra. Pfizer is a, is a large company. I mean, we, we want those canvases. I don't think any designer or creative person w- would want to, at any point in their careers, refrain from working on a larger uh, stage. But the reality is, when I launched the business, it was clear that they're not going to come on. So I, I did the I did what I thought was the right thing. I, I, I said, I don't want them. <laughs> I said, I don't want them. They're the hunted. I want the hunters. I want the, the seven and eighth... I want the third, fourth, fifth product in that category. Uh, and uh, and I did. But here's what happened is these were much more entrepreneurial. Uh, they had less uh, money, so they needed more ideas, which is a great place for Taxi to perform. And uh, we hit it out of the park on a lot of, uh, of these uh, accounts. And, of course, we got the attention of the big guys, and then we won their accounts as well. I have to acknowledge the fact that um, I was so fortunate to have um, – a co-founder uh, in taxi and Jane Hope. Jane Hope uh, is a remarkable uh, person and very talented who happened to be an art director who decided to become a graphic designer. And I was a graphic designer wanting to be an art director. So we both worked together on some of the initial projects of, of taxi. And uh, there was a lot of harmony in the way we worked and uh, mutual respect and, uh, and courtesy and things, and we got a lot of great things done. Uh, and then as we hired more uh, creative people in the agency world and in the design world, we realized uh, this is two different species. An art director and a designer are not the same person. The designer is a little bit more uh, solo in their approach. They like to work alone. The art director is more gregarious and screams a lot and runs around. And uh, they didn't always like each other. <laughs> So we had to bring those that those forces together in, in some ways, in a respectable way to get things done. Although I don't mind a little bit of chaos here and there. So I just thought that, the, you know, uh, they're different people. And then the other thing is we have different things uh, to do. You know, if you design a menu, there's a whole set of problems that you're trying to solve. But one problem you're not trying to solve is attention. Because I am a customer, I walk into a restaurant, and the first thing I do is I get a, a menu. I don't even have to ask for it. And sometimes I do have to ask for it. I'm asking for this 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 piece that you have designed. But an art director uh, designs a billboard, and no one wants to look at a billboard. I'd rather look at the clouds and the trees. And uh, I may not be looking up. You know, the, uh, the, the advertising creative uh, part of the problem they're trying to solve is just to get their uh, people's attention and get them engaged. The one is telling and one is selling. It's a different, uh, it's a different skill set. It, 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 we hire different people that have a different kind of focus in life. So going on this idea of telling and selling, you talk a lot about storytelling. Yeah. How does storytelling as a practice kind of tie those things together Storytelling is important to make people interested in the product or service itself. Most products and services are parody. One is just like the other. There's no difference between Telus Rogers and Bell, except for that annoying bill you get every month. So how do you differentiate them? What story are you telling? It feels like more recently, like companies like Tesla or Apple, when Apple was really kind of at its ultimate strength, 
was all about that. You know, the product was so great that it created its own stories almost. And, you know, I, I sometimes joke that the epitome of advertising was the Apple ads when it was just the product on a white background because you didn't have to say anything except for showing the product that that was the story itself. Yeah. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, not all advertising is good. Even the award-winning advertising can be bad. If it's entertaining uh, in a gratuitous way, it, it doesn't work. I think the components of a story um, for advertising are simple. You know, you really have to know who you're talking to. You have to understand who your 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 your, your audience is. Just be honest about it. But I think that, you know, the good storytellers in advertising also understand the context. What's happening in culture right now? What's happening politically? What's happening? Is there, is there stress or some, you know, you know, if there's financial issues? Uh, I think it's important to understand not just the context of a person walking into a grocery store and buying some cheese. I think what's important is understanding who that person is and what that person may be feeling at this time and maybe, you know, modifying your message. And, you know, when it comes to, you know, branding, people sometimes have, you know, this interpretation of what branding is. For me, it's been simple. It's reputation. And everybody is concerned with their own reputation. And I think the advertising agencies that get it right and the clients that get it right they have a clear understanding of who they are, what their product is, who they're talking to, and what is the reputation that they strive to communicate. This October 24th and 25th, come to Toronto and join Design Thinkers, Canada's largest annual graphic design conference. Design Thinkers speakers examine and discuss the trends, strategies, and processes that are driving our industry. Attendees have the opportunity to explore the evolving role of design and how it is creating meaningful impacts for business, culture, and social innovators. Design Thinkers is a must-attend event of the year for visual communicators. To learn more and register, visit designthinkers.com. You talk about doubt as a kind of a key way of looking at the world or of thinking about the work you're doing. So what does that idea mean for you? When you start a small company, you don't really need to take the time to think about how you are going to behave because uh, you're, you're just a bunch. You're 10, 12, 15, 20. And, but I really had big ambitions for taxi. I wanted to be, you know, 100 people. Uh, so a size was an important part. Uh, we never grew a, a company more than 150 people here in Toronto. When we got to 150 people, we opened up across the street and called it taxi two, um, because, uh, I had read about, um, about this, um, anthropologist that had done a white paper on, uh, studying, uh, dysfunction in, in size. So the, you know, the American uh, British army units, which were based on uh, Roman army units were never over 150 people. Uh, small African tribes oftentimes uh, would send, uh, when they get around 150 people, they would send out a, a couple of an alpha male, alpha, you know, woman to get out to a uh, female to, to start another little kind of tribe. And that was all around dysfunction, and dysfunction was important. So size was important. But what's the philosophy? What's the guiding, guiding principle other than, of 
course, we want to do beautiful things and maintain high, high standards. I wanted to hire uh, creative people. Uh, and creative people oftentimes were misunderstood as people who came up with ideas, who could write, who could sing. But creativity is about thinking, and it's about thinking differently. And that's the crew that I wanted to assemble, whether you were a receptionist or whether you were an account person or whatever skill set you had, whether you are a financial CFO. You understood that you were working for a company that uh, ideas were the basic motivation of this company and thinking is, uh, is, is the highest currency. Doubt was a kind of a funny word. <clears throat> the way I interpreted it was to, um, to question. So when you're solving a business problem, Rather than rushing in to make you the things that you'd like to make as a designer, you would pause and stop and think and question how you could, you know, what you're really trying to solve, what you really needed to make to solve that problem, and how could it be better. I love that uh, Einstein thing, a quote, where he said if he had 20 days to solve a problem, he'd spend the first 19 figuring out the question. The question is the most important thing for a creative person. What is the real question? Oftentimes our clients give us uh, briefs uh, or people can ask you things, but they don't ask the right question. So getting to the right question is enabled by this, just this pause, this doubt. And would you say that that has any connection to your perspective on Canada as a country? I mean, you talk, there's this idea of outside thinking. Mm-hmm. Many years ago, the uh, Globe and Mail's report on business asked me to design the new logo for Canada, which really infuriated me because we don't need another logo. We have a logo. It's a leaf on a flag, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, the government keeps making more and more logos. And I think the one year they made 885 logos in one year. It's a lot of logos. And uh, so I, I didn't think the logo was the, the thing that we needed to fix was the story. So my, my, my message was that uh, we had to make the country more meaningful to ourselves and, uh, and to the world. But back then when I wrote that article, there was a very important report uh, that said that Canada had spent over three, uh, $3 zillion, I can't remember how much, it was so much money over the last 20 years on everything that could influence whether it would be advertising and tourism or, uh, I mean, they put the whole thing together and they, they then went around and talked to thousands of influencers who said, we don't know who the hell you are and what you do. You mean Canada? Yeah. So I had had that report with me, which was an important point. And so I said, okay, so then if I'm not doing this logo, what do we stand for? And one of the ideas I came up with, and it was just an idea called outside thinkers, was that we're recognized as being a big natural parking lot of nature. We got a lot of a lot of land and uh, to have these resources, but we're not that creative with them. You know, when we have forestry, we cut it down and sell it raw. So where's the issue? Well, you know, how, how can we how can we start thinking about bringing design and thinking and creativity into some of these sectors and uh, start making products that the world needs that have a, a real Canadian perspective on them that uh, enhance the value of our country. How would you describe what for you is that Canadian perspective? I think nature is the, the thing that, that most people know. It's the cliche, it's the low hanging fruit. But, you know, I remember showing 
in many of my presentations to uh, government officials and I'm trying to get something going with this. I used to show this beautiful picture of a mountain with a pristine lake and a gorgeous uh, sky background. It was fantastic and the trees, it was everything. And I remember stopping at times during the speech and just say, but you got to admit, you got to admit, this is such a beautiful product. I mean, this is such a beautiful country. And they'd all applaud. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And I'd say, yeah, but that's Montana. It's not Canada. So nature alone may be what, you know, defines us, but who are we and how we interact with nature and what we can tell the world and ourselves and in a way that, uh, creates this halo effect and products can do that. I think you can find and uh, dig down and find some inherent quality in, in Canadian creativity and, and, uh, and add that to a sector. And instead of cutting trees and selling them cheap, let's cut them down less. Let's cut less down, uh, add creativity and design with a little bit more risk-taking, which, you know, has been a bit of a weak point for Canadians. So there's this notion of lack of risk, hesitancy. You started, though, a new company that is very much emerges from this way of thinking. Could you talk a little bit about the origins of that company? And Yeah, well, I, you know, I was born, like, born on a lake, very close to, very close to nature and... Uh, it all happened kind of happenstance. A friend of mine, Lee Klein, a good old friend of mine I hadn't seen in years, sent me um, an image of a, a paddleboard that he had designed. I bought two for the family, and uh, they're beautiful, beautiful paddleboards. But uh, the next day I was thinking that uh, when I had bought this, uh, this cabin up in the Laurentians, uh, up in the garage there was this old uh, something in there, had a white sheet on it and I took off this white sheet. This was about 15 years ago. And it was an old pedal boat from the sixties. And, uh, uh, we fixed it up. Uh, Jane and I fixed it up. And, um, and the other part of it, of these, these plastic thingies is that, uh, they're disposable and, uh, it's so anti-nature. I met uh, Lee and I said, Lee, I have this, uh, this idea. You could go uh, and continue making these things as, you know, because he had a full-time job. Or we could build a brand. And I think it would be a great Canadian brand that we could sell around the world. It's, it's about nature. I said, Lee, you know, this whole space of lake and beach products uh, are weak. There, there's a gap in the marketplace. There's, there's a lot of nice things, but a lot of crappy things. And this company could fulfill that void. And let's enhance the waterside experience and make it special. And uh, he just looked at me and he presented his hand and said, let's do it 50-50 and we're in. So we started a year ago and we uh, have built this boat. So so the company uh, is called Bull Lake and uh, it uh, designs and manufactures uh, luxury paddle boats and boats and chairs uh, and wants to kind of redefine the the waterside experience. And you're also I've been talking about, you know, less doing more with less, for example, with cutting down less trees, but doing more with them. There is a component of this too, that's about restoring or protecting. 
Well, I, you know, one of the things that we, we, we want to do with our products is we, we, we want to make them last. So, you know, when you start thinking of making things, I think the most important thing is to really have a serious conversation with yourself about making less. The world has a lot of stuff. So if you're going to make something, it better be something that uh, is new. And, and you know, and, uh, and, uh, and that's what we want to do. We want to make this experience special. So for you, what's the ultimate potential of design as a way of thinking, a way of working and a way of doing. Yeah. Well, design has been, you know, uh, such a big part of, uh, who I am. The way you, you give back is you, you focus, uh, on the next generation and how you can guide them and help them, um, blossom in that, in, in, in that way. But, you know, design is, uh, design can be evil. Design can be evil. There's terrible things that have been designed. Everything has been designed. Design is just it's like oxygen. It's just part, it'll be part of the human experience. The key is intention. You get to a point in your, in your career uh, where you can uh, make a decision on what you want to design and what you want to be part of. And uh, that's a luxury that you, uh, and a responsibility. I find myself right now in a really great moment in my career to be able to, you know, help coordinate better experiences. And, you know, water is, uh, Water is pure as water is Canada. Uh, and of course, you know, we're, we're, we're selling things for people to play with in the water. So it's, it's such an important part to make that right and not you know, upset nature and protect it. I do think that uh, with Lee uh, and myself at the helm of this uh, Bow Lake, we'll be able to uh, give back more than we, we take. And then that would be a a great design project in itself. To learn more about Paul, visit bowlake.com. First Things First is produced by Max Cotter. Frontier Media is a part of Frontier, a design office based in Toronto, Canada. We believe that design is more than visual. It's a process of exploration, discovery, sketching, prototyping, iteration, and refinement. That process can help create a better world. Our mission is to help others understand how that goal can be accomplished. To do this, we use design to create better and more purposeful products. We publish a magazine and produce this podcast to explore and celebrate the risks people take in the process of creating things that are original and worthwhile. And we work with clients to help them define their purpose and tell their story. To learn more, visit www.frontier.is. First Things First is recorded in Toronto and Vancouver at the Design Thinkers Conference, organized by our founding partners at RGD, the Association of Registered Graphic Designers, who represent over 3,800 design practitioners, including firm owners, freelancers, managers, educators, and students. Through RGD, Canadian designers exchange ideas, educate and inspire, set professional standards, and build a strong, supportive community dedicated to advocating for the value of design.